Hi there. This is Judith O'Day from George Romero's original Night of the Living Dead. And you're listening to Then Is Now Podcast. Warning! Warning! Today's episode contains spoilers. So if you have not seen the movie or TV show that we are talking about, we highly recommend that you watch it first, then listen to this episode. Thank you. Rise and shine, my sinners. When Father Evil starts his day, he gets a little deadly. Deadly Grounds Coffee has the richest, smoothest flavor you'll find anywhere. It's sinfully delicious. Once you go deadly, you never go back. Order yours at getdeadly.com. Coffee's so good, it's scary. <laughs> Hello and welcome to this special episode of Then Is Now Podcast. I am your host, Rigor, and I am joined by my frequent guest co-host slash sunny boy, Spencey. How's it going, Spence? Hello, I'm good. Excellent, excellent. Glad you could be here. Also joining us today is my regular co-host on the award-winning The East Meets the West, a man who also does 19 other podcasts and co-hosted a couple of our 13 Days episodes last year, Patsy the Angry Nerd. Glad you could be here, Pat. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I've been awake for about 17 minutes uh, (laughs) after being on set all night last night. I do have some coffee, so I'm I'm okay there. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to... uh, redoing this and getting it done because I screwed it up the last time. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, folks, we, we had previously recorded this actual episode, but we had a technical snafu, so now we're doing it again. I just want to say thank you guys for being able to make the time to do this yet again. I know we're all busy with work and school and other fun stuff. So we're continuing our yearly event called 13 Days of Hallowtober, which Spencey once said was a shitty name. Uh, no, no, not once. Many times. <laughs> I was going to say, I've heard him say it a bunch of times. <laughs> <laughs> I'd also like to point out that Patsy gets to use coffee. I'm running off of pure enthusiasm right now. <laughs> I've got some coffee, too. And um, Yeah, well, you know, I was doing a previous episode of Then Is Now, and I, I, was ac- I was trying to say Halloween and October and accidentally tried to say them at the same time, and it came out as Hallowtober, and I liked it, so it stuck. So screw you, I like it. So, anyway. Yeah, I mean, that works. I mean, and just for the record, the only reason I have coffee is that uh, my wife had bought some of the, uh, like, I even don't remember, I don't even remember what kind it is, but it's like the stuff, the stuff in the uh, half-gallon container, and there was some left, so I just grabbed that. Oh, so I don't know what she when she wakes up, but. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, so um, this our theme this year is modern zombie films, and what that means is that we're not going to cover um, zombie flicks from before 1968, which had voodoo as the reason for the zombies, sort of like, you know, I Walked With a Zombie, White Zombie, all of those Lugosi films. No, we are covering the ones that came after and were inspired by George Romero's Night of the Living Dead in 1968. 
Now, much like vampire films, the original Dracula from Universal in 1931 set down the rules for vampires, and over the decades since, filmmakers have taken that lore and tried to change it up, make it fresh, change the rules for vampires, or even make vampire comedies. The same thing happened to zombie films since Night of the Living Dead. You've got fast zombies, situations where only the bite infects the victim, or bite and, and the blood infects a victim, only headshots can kill them, or it doesn't have to be a headshot, etc., etc. So that being said, today we are covering Shaun of the Dead from 2004, starring Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, and directed by Edgar Wright. Class is in session. think that modern life is not for you? Do you do the same dead-end job every day? Is your love life dying on its feet? To a wonderful mom. Oh, have you ever felt that you're turning into a zombie? Maybe you're not alone. Piss it. Although no one official is prepared to comment, religious groups are calling it Judgment Day. It is vital that you stay in your homes. Avoid all physical contact with the assailants. So, what's the plan? Bash him in the head, that seems to work out. Why have we got a girl Lizzie? Because I love her. All right, gay. John of the Dead is a, as you said, 2004 horror comedy, or I refer to it as a zombity or a rom zom com. Uh, directed by Edgar Wright. film was written by uh, Wright and Simon Pegg, who stars in it as Sean, along with his friend Ed, which is uh, played by Nick Frost, as you said. Sean is caught underwear by the zombie apocalypse, and they attempt to take refuge in a local pub with as many of their loved ones as they can carry with them. film stars uh, co-stars Kate Ashfield, Lucy Davis, Dylan Moran, Bill Nye, and Penelope Wilton. This is the first installment of the Three Flavors Cornetto Trilogy, followed by 2007's Hot Fuzz and 2013's The World's End. Uh, the film was developed from ideas Peg and Wright used for their television show Spaced, particularly an episode where Peg's slacker character hallucinates a zombie invasion. The title and plot also referred to the Dead films directed by George A. Romero. Principal photography took place across London and Ealing Studios between May and June 2003. And it premiered in London March 29th, 2004, theatric theatrically released in the United Kingdom on April 9th, uh, and in the United States on the 24th of September. It was met with universal acclaim and commercial success, made $30 million worldwide on a budget of $6.1 million, 
and received two nominations for the British Academy Film Awards. Uh, ranked third on the Channel 4 list of the 50 greatest comedy films and quickly acquired a cult following. Uh, in film studies, this film is seen as a product of post-9-11 anxiety as well as a model for transitional comedy. Spread of zombieism in the film has been used as a modeling example for disease control. Huh. So that's, uh, that's what we got for Shaun of the Dead. That's interesting. Yeah, so, so Pat, when did you first see this, and what was your first impression? Uh, I first saw it, I, had, uh, I was working at UPS, and uh, one of the, uh, I, was, I was a supervisor, and one of my employees and I were talking about horror movies and zombie movies and things like that. And he had been suggesting a bunch of movies, and I'd been going out and watching them because I really enjoyed them. And this was one that he, he was like, oh, you got to check this one out, you got to check this one out. And I was like, all right, you know, I'll check this one out. And it was awesome. I loved it. Um, so this is around 2005, maybe early 2006. Um, so the film had been out for a while. I'd never heard of it. And again, I wasn't even, uh, I hadn't really started delving into, you know, horror films the way I do now at that point. Cause I was still in my early twenties, still trying to figure out what it is that I liked and what it is that I was, you know, interested in. And I was like, you know what, let me check out some of these classic horror movies that people are always talking about. Cause I hadn't seen any of the dead films. I hadn't seen you know, any of Lucio Fulci stuff. Wow. I had no idea who, who he was, but this kid really helped me, uh, you know, kind of broaden my horizons, you know, getting to see Lucio Fulci's zombie, you know, f seeing a zombie fight a shark underwater, <laughs> uh, which was pretty rad. And I was like, this is some amazing stuff. Like, I had no idea that anybody did anything like this. So, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was my first foray into Shaun of the Dead. Nice. Spence? Uh, well... I mean, I've seen this since I was a little kid because I'm <laughs> your son. Uh, um, but the more I rewatch it, the more I understand more and more about it and all the funny nuances. And I, I think it just gets funnier for me every time. So I have this weird, like, semi-nostalgia feeling when I watch it. But also, it's just, you know, a really good movie. So I've basically always known about it. Nice, nice. Yeah, I... I seem to recall that it, when it came out in Boston, I was going to see it, and for whatever reason, I missed the chance or it didn't work out. Um, so I ended up waiting till it came out on video, and I loved it. Um, this is one of those films that I think is damn near perfect. There's not a single frame wasted on needless exposition. It's got a lot of foreshadowing and attention to detail, especially uh, what's going on in the background in the first act of the movie. And I just remember walking away absolutely loving this film and it, and it is like you said Spencer it is one of those films that every time you watch it um, you get something you see something that you maybe didn't see previously so and as you mentioned Pat uh, it was directed by Edgar Wright part of the um, the um, trilogy that he did here uh, does someone want to explain what exactly the trilogy is the co what is it again corn swoggle the cornetto trilogy <laughs> cornetto that's right yeah, um, I've also heard it referred to as the Blood and Ice Cream trilogy. Uh, and the trilogy basically starts with Shaun of the Dead, goes on to Hot Fuzz, ends with The World's End, and is essentially three movies that are thematically similar in their structure and the editing style. It's a very unique editing style from Edgar Wright. And um, the big factor is there are basically three really, really crazy plots and uh, the ice cream Cornetto kind of follows that, follows all three movies. And that's the thing that really kind of keeps them all together. And all three movies star Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. And 
they were were they all directed by Edgar Wright? Yeah, they yeah. were. I think they're all written by him too. Yes, I believe so. Yeah, they're they're all basically you know parodies. Like this first one, they also uh, on the the Blu-rays or DVDs. Like Shaun of the Dead has what's called a zombo meter, and the uh, Hot Fuzz has a fuzzometer that kind of breaks down. It's like a it's almost like a commentary track, but there's subtitles that break down like every specific uh, nod and and wink to other horror films and then in hot fuzz all the other action films that they're kind of uh paying tribute to like when sean is trying to make his reservation that he assured liz that he had already made weeks ago right the name of the restaurant is fulci's right you know obviously a nod to lucio fulci you know there's there's tons and tons and tons of little easter eggs and like these are the zombie movies we grew up with these are the things that we love and if you watch the zombo meter you can see every single one of them so if there's like you watch it once the first time and you're like oh yeah i caught that reference oh yeah i got that and then like you watch this with the with the track on and all of a sudden you see 20 more things that you had no idea that that was like a subtle reference to it's like oh do you see the way he walks here did you see the way he looks over his left shoulder yeah i <laughs> see the way he holds that that pen like that's what this is supposed to be like there's deer hunter references and like even though it's not a zombie movie it's right you know, when he's got the 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 tie um the necktie tied around his yeah, head uh, yeah it's like uh what's his name from uh, no um de niro oh de niro that's right yeah yeah de niro yeah had the thing on yeah that's right yeah, and uh, uh, Edgar Wright also directed a couple movies that I actually haven't seen, uh, Baby Driver and Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Uh, both of those are excellent, but Baby Driver is phenomenal with a great soundtrack. Really? Yeah, that's that. what I've heard, too. I've heard that both those movies are really good, uh, but Baby Driver just kind of blew everyone out of the water. Huh. I'll definitely have to check that out. The one I, I really love is he did the fake trailer called Don't, for Quentin Tarantino's movie Grindhouse, where they had a bunch of fake trailers in between the two movies that they made, and yeah, um, and it's funny because he based it. I actually we just one of the shows we're covering here is called uh, The Living Dead at Manchester Morgue, also known as Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, and when that was released here, that was released as Don't Open the Window, and that's where Edgar Wright got the inspiration to make Don't because like every other sentence was Don't do this, Don't do that, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and this was just don't. Now, just don't. I know, uh, Spencer, you didn't get this this opportunity because, I don't know, I think you were like a fetus at this point. But when these movies came out, mm -hmm. um, they played back-to-back, -back, like the two Grindhouse films played back-to-back -back with all the fake trailers in between. And it was a glorious theater experience. Oh, yeah. That's, that's kind of amazing. Sometimes that just gives birth to like the best movies and you didn't actually even see the whole movie. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I was able to sit and I watched I watched through all of it. Like, I didn't want to miss anything because they did, like, an intermission and, like, people were getting up to go to the bathroom, but that's when they showed the trailers. Yeah. So you missed Nicolas Cage as Fu Manchu in <laughs> Werewolf Women of the SS. Like, <laughs> what? I mean, what's funny about that is that's where Machete came from, too, you know? Yes. So with they had... Danny uh, Trejo. They had that one the one trailer where like oh I think it was like the Thanksgiving trailer and like they find like a dead body and Michael Bean's there and like <laughs> like there's blood everywhere and somebody touches it like oh, it's blood and Michael Bean's like son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs>
it was a it was a phenomenally glorious theater going experience. It really was. Spence, didn't you see? I showed you one of them. It was either um, Planet of Terror or was it just Planet, Planet Terror. Terror? And then Death Proof was the one with Kurt Russell where he was he was the stunt man and his car was rigged. Stuntman Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Where uh, it was death proof, but only if you were sitting in the driver's seat. I don't remember effect. either of those movies. Oh, have to uh, check you, you would remember. Yeah. Yeah, you'd remember. Death proof was really good. And like, you know, uh, Planet Terror, like the zombie thing. And it's like they have to inhale the gas every so often or else they start mutating all over the place. And yeah. it's Bruce Willis and Rose McGowan with the machine gun leg. <laughs> oh, it was so oh over the top and, and wonderful. Since we're on a tangent, I'm going to go real quick here with this tangent that I wanted to bring up, but then we'll get back to the Shaun of the Dead. I just watched a movie the other day um, called Possession from 1981. It stars Sam Neill, and it's kind of this Euro uh, European-German kind of production, and it's totally whacked. It's it's a little disjointed, so Spence, I don't think you, you would like the narrative in this movie. It's basically Sam Neill and his wife are estranged, and they're trying to get back together, and they've got a kid involved, but then she's got this dark secret, and he thinks it's she's the fact that she's seeing another guy, but it's really something worse, something far beyond that. And there's moments in the movie where the special effects, like, they blew me away. And I'm talking like John Carpenter's The Thing level. That, and I had never even heard of this movie before. But I highly recommend that the audience and you guys, if you get a chance to check this out, it is a, a solid two hours. I think this is like the restored version that's remastered and all that. It's just it's just whacked. And not as batshit crazy as Malignant, but it's, it's that same kind of whacktitude. <laughs> For lack of a better word, I'll, I'll just make one up. So I highly recommend that Possession from 1981. It's got a real young Sam Neill in it. It's really funny to see him. That's why it's it's always so funny, you know, to see Sam Neill as like this nice, kind, uh, you know, character in Jurassic Park. But then like you watch all of the other stuff that he's in, you know, in the Mouth of Madness and in, in, yeah. in uh, you know, Event Horizon, and he's always just like this maniac. Like it's awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And in this movie, he's just totally nuts. He's like on uh, him and the wife are fighting and screaming and it goes from argument to physical confrontation. And it's just it's just madness. So anyways, getting back to Shaun of the Dead, we've got Simon Pegg, as mentioned previously, as Shaun, who, um, as Pat mentioned, he was on the TV show Spaced. We've also seen him in the new the newer Star Trek films playing uh, Scotty. He's been a, a staple of the more recent Mission Impossible films, I think since like part three or four. He was in the movie Paul, which was hilarious. And um, with, what's his name? Um, Nick Frost was with that in, with him also. But did did Edgar Wright direct that? Does anyone know? Uh, I'd have to double check, but I remember that Sigourney Weaver was in it as well as uh, Seth Rogen as the voice of Paul. Right. He was also in Run, Fat Boy Run with yep. uh, Hank Azaria. Uh, he was in uh, The Fantastic Fear of Everything. That was really was good. In, I haven't seen that, but he's in another one with uh, Rosamund Pike, and I don't remember the name of it. Hmm. He was also listed as being in Star Trek Episode Seven: The Force Awakens, but I don't remember his character. Oh, he was uh, Uncar Plutt. Star Trek Seven: The Force Star Wars. Star Wars. Star- I misspoke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, just to interject here, uh, the Paul, the movie Paul came out in 2011, 
and it was not directed by Edgar Wright, but directed by Greg Matola. And um, the timing of this movie is right in between Hot Fuzz and The World's End. So there's a reason there's a gap between of six years between Hot Fuzz and The World's End. This came out in 2011. Oh, They've okay. been working on other projects as well as the, the three It movies. was written by Frost and Peg, though. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. he was he was Uncar Plutt, the guy uh, that was passing out all the 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 portions to uh, Ray, like when she would bring him parts. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was him in Star Wars there. And then, of course, Nick Frost, who played Ed, he was he was in a great movie called Attack the Block. Nice, independent uh, uh, yes. monster movie, sci-fi. Ooh, with John Boyega from Star Wars. Oh, that's right. That's right. And what's and, her uh, name? The chick that plays... Jodie Whittaker. Jodie Whittaker, yeah. She went on to play Doctor Who. I think I think she's yep. done now. They're trying to cast a new one, but... Oh um, yeah, she was she was good at that. That's a great film. If people have not seen that, uh, it's hard to find, but it's amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. You picked the wrong fucking block to attack. <laughs> yeah, Nick Frost. It's 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 a it's a bit of a weird move for him. Like he plays a guy who sells weed. Yeah, <laughs> kind of out of character, I guess. Yeah, way out of character. <laughs> um, we've got Kate Ashfield who played Liz. And she, as far as I know, she was mostly in British stuff that I have not seen. Have you guys seen her in anything? No, Maybe, but I don't. Not that I can think of. Okay, uh, Diane was played by Lucy Davis, who played Etta in the film Wonder Woman. Yep, Etta Candy. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Yeah, she's really good in that too. And then I, yeah, I still haven't seen that one. I uh, have to check that one out. Uh, Dylan Moran played David, who was he was also in Run Fat Boy Run. Now here's one Penelope Wilton who played Barbara, and um, Spencer. When we did this first recording, you had said something else that she was in. Pat, what was that? Barbara, I don't recall. Oh, okay. Because Spencer and I know her as uh, former Prime Minister <laughs> Harriet Jones from Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, I remember um, like her voice, and uh, I just nailed it instantly. I'm like, wait, I know who that is. I've I've seen you before. I mean, they came out, those actually, was that like just after Shaun of the Dead, right? I think so, when yeah. When she came on as it was that character. Around the David Tennant run, yeah. So mm. so that was fun for me. That was one of the like the few actors who I had seen in something else. Uh, and speaking of Doctor Who, uh, Nick Frost also does make an uh, appearance. I think his, at least his most famous one, if he's made any others. Uh, he was in a Peter Capaldi era episode where, you know, there was, all kinds of science stuff. And at some point, uh, Santa Claus shows up and oh yeah, Nick Frost plays Santa because that was one of the marketing ploys for that episode. Of, That's right. And and Nick Frost as Santa Claus in the in you know when they're promoting the episode. And I remember being so excited for that episode. <laughs> and it was great. <laughs> I forgot about that. I forgot about that. And of course, Philip is played by uh Bill Nighy, who's just amazing. Yes. I mean, he was in the Underworld films and I, Frankenstein, and I guess he does a good voice on Castlevania. I've never watched that. Oh, he does. He's in season three and four, and he plays one of the most dynamic characters in the entire show. And I nailed his voice instantly, once again. Yeah. I heard it. I'm like, wait, I know who you are. And I do recall that when we were talking about this, I think this is what you were thinking of, because when we were talking about this before, and I was like, oh, yeah, and he was great as Davy Jones in the Pirates of the Caribbean. And you guys were like, what? Oh yeah. Like, yeah, I, I, I forgot Jones. about that. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he was Davy Jones in that, and of course you can't forget Sean and Ed's roommate Pete, 
played by the amazing Peter Serafinowicz. Oh, yeah. The tick. Darth Maul. Like, <laughs> what? He's the voice of Darth Maul in The Phantom Menace. Oh, wow. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, wow. Ray Park, Ray Park did the acting, but Peter Serafinowicz did the voice. Oh, okay. Because we watched him recently wild. as The Tick on the Amazon series, which was really good. Mm-hmm. And they, it, they ended it after two seasons, which is too bad. Because he was perfect as that character. He was also the sommelier in John Wick 2. Yep. And he, uh, in the, oh, the Pickle Rick episode of Rick and Morty, <laughs> he's the guy who runs the whatever embassy or whatever where Rick finds himself after escaping through the toilet. <laughs> the guy who has uh, Jaguar, played by Danny Trejo, uh, held in that like secret room there. Like you're, you're saying words, and I I don't know. I've never watched Rick never and Morty either. <laughs> but I've, I've seen the Pickle Rick clip. That clip is alone is award winning. <laughs> if you watch watch the whole episode, it's one of the the better episodes. Um, not because of it's like oh he turned himself into a pickle. Like oh it's the funniest shit I ever seen. Like <laughs> I like, love that meme. The the whole like how he gets from point A to point B, and the fact that Susan Sarandon plays the family therapist who is also like in addition to being a family therapist she also helps people get over their addiction of eating shit (laughs) like like literally and like they see one of the teachers from the school they're like oh how long have y'all been eating poop and she's like (laughs) summer who's played by kelsey uh, kelsey Grammer's daughter's uh spencer oh my god yeah same name uh and She's like, we have never eaten poop. He's like, like, me either. Where's my family? And just like, what? <laughs> we have never eaten poop. That's hilarious. But like, that's what she does. She does family therapy and helps people stop eating shit. So uh, it's a weird practice, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good to... episode. I, 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 I recommend watching that one. If, if, if not any other ones, that one at least. Right. We have to definitely check that out. Um, what Peter Serafinowicz Sar- was also in, uh, he played Denarian Sal in Guardians of the Galaxy. That's right. Yeah. He was one of the, uh, he's like, oh, what a bunch of a holes. Yeah. yeah that oh, guy. yeah. <laughs> he's got one of those like faces and voices that when you see him, you just get a little excited. You're like, I know who you are. This is great. Oh, oh this is gonna be this is gonna be good, whatever it is, because Peter Serafinowicz is in it. Yeah, like, hey, the the sommelier scene in John Wick Two is possibly one of the greatest, greatestly constructed scenes in the entire franchise. Oh yeah. So I I really love when he's on the screen. I need something for something you know in, for dinner. Bold, mm, bold. <laughs> it. And he's just like, <laughs> it, it makes me laugh just how it how it's how it's structured and it feels so perfect so i think i think peter serafinowitz did an excellent job in that scene uh now you say it i just i can see his face in all of it and i'm like wow i can't believe i didn't nail that down i know at least at least on my goes i know he's also uh voiced the phantom stranger in some dc animated stuff oh uh, right batman That's and cool. uh he played a character uh named Scott John Dan Steve in uh, Bob's Burgers, <laughs> which I highly recommend uh, checking out. And in the Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2, he was Kang the Conqueror. Oh, wow. Oh, so, cool. 
Yeah, very uh, interesting. That's cool. And then, of course, we have our special cameo appearance, which I think maybe at the time he wasn't as famous as he is now. But we've got um, a character named Declan who was played by Martin Freeman that we've seen in a zillion things, including uh, the Sherlock Holmes TV show with Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> Black Panther, uh, Civil War, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, the Hobbit movies. Yeah. yeah there's something about we, Hobbits, I don't know. He was he was Dildo Shaggins. Oh wait, no, that's the uh <laughs> the other version. That's from Board of the Rings. <laughs> the book. But yeah, he's you know, he was in a ton of stuff. Obviously, you know, people will know him from, you know, the Hobbit movies most likely because he did a lot of British stuff before coming over here. But he was also in Hot Fuzz. He had a, a, a short cameo and he was a little more prominent in uh in World's End, especially at the end when he had the soccer ball face. Yeah, I'd say he was a lot more prominent yeah. uh, in World's End. He definitely had one of the, a lot more of a starring role uh, by the third Cornetto movie. I, yeah, I love Martin Freeman's just, work. As opposed to just like, you know, a total of like four or five lines throughout the entire first two movies. <laughs> and they were all in the second movie because he just goes, Bleh. in the first movie, like he doesn't really say anything. He's just kind of there, like nodding and... I thought he did a great job as uh, Arthur Dent in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, yeah, that's right. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was just... Wait, the movie or the show? The movie. The movie. But you, I mean, you... he was essentially just playing Martin Freeman. Like, you know, it was this... He acted the same pretty much as Arthur Dent as he did as, what you call it, uh, Bilbo. Like, that was pretty much the same performance. Yeah, that's true. When you get to, <laughs> when you get to uh, uh, Ross, when he played Ross... Um, Everett Ross in um, the Marvel films. He is a totally different, you know, a lot more uh, assertive and, dare I say it, a little badass. Oh, yeah. Especially yeah. In the oh, yeah, movie. absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, one thing, Pat, you mentioned earlier, too, calling it a rom-zom-com, which this movie is a satire of romantic comedy films, zombie films um and it, it proves that the zombie genre at least in my opinion has the capacity to support all different genres you know and you know in a what do we have an hour and 40 minutes or so the it's it's both a well not both it's all of these things it's a romantic comedy it's a satire it's a zombie film it's a buddy comedy it's an action film it's a tragedy it's a tale of redemption and it, it's also as we talked about the start of a trilogy so f for some reason all those things mashed together absolutely works in this movie. And I think it's the, the brilliance not only of the performances, but the directing, the cinematography, and pretty much everybody involved in this film. Would you guys agree? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, especially where, you know, you have all these different perspective shifts, especially in the Winchester scene at the end. Yeah. You know, where they had strapped the camera right to, right to uh, Edgar Wright or, you know, facing him. I'm not Edgar Wright. Jesus, Simon Pegg. Yeah, you know when they're they're doing like the POV shots that are supposed to be exactly like the video game, uh, and that's part of the the brilliant writing on this. Like so much of the stuff that comes up at the beginning, you see again at the end. Like the same terminology, only it's used in totally different ways. Like you know when they're playing the video game, it's like oh top left, you know, and like they're shooting zombies at the end of the the movie. Everyone's like two o'clock, four o'clock, you know, you know, quarter to three. You know, and he's like, make it simple, and Sean, and Ed just goes top left, and Sean knows exactly what he's talking about. Yeah, Zed overshoots the shoots the zombie. 
Yeah. Yeah. And also I, something I really, really love about this movie is it does a good job of setting up like the, um, the zombie trope without losing any of the characters plot because all the zombie things is set up in the background. There's only a few moments where Sean's like, notices a guy who faints in the middle of the street and stuff like that and notices all these weird things going on but it's it's just weird things going on we know it's setting up a zombie film and you know but everyone else is just like you know still going about their business so a good chunk of the first uh act of the movie is spent on his relationship with liz and stuff like that but there's still those few little elements of oh my god a zombie apocalypse is breaking out and about to break out and so I think that's just a really good use of the time and a well-written story of setting up the the plot whilst also setting up the characters and neither one of them really suffers at all. Right, right. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, it's funny because it just occurs to me, because um, since I've been doing this 13 Days with you guys and a bunch of other people, I, I'm starting to notice a common theme in a lot of these modern zombie films is, you know, like in this movie, it's more of, well, no, it is It is part of the common theme. It's that people, they don't quite know what's happening. They don't necessarily believe that they're the dead coming back to life to the point where if it's a beloved family member, they refuse to want to let them go or let somebody kill it because they're like, no, no, that's my dad or that's my husband or that's my son. You know, it's and it's interesting that sort of a common thread throughout most of the zombie films that are being made. I thought, I think that it's just funny that that's an aspect of human nature that is, is constantly mined because I think it's, it's how most people would truly react in, in extreme circumstances like this. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, you're, you're struggling to comprehend what's going on. It's like, you know, that there's something wrong, but like it, it kind of plays on that. Like, you know, you want to, you know, help your, your sick relative and help them get well. And like, you know, you want to make sure that, you know, you can be there for them, but at the same time, like for this, there really is nothing you can do. Right. Yeah. I'd also say that a lot of the times in um, horror films, when something is going really wrong, it takes a lot for all of the skeptical characters to kind of comprehend and believe and go along with any kind of survival plan. Um, except for the occasional um, character who is cultured in like the horror genre and is like, no, I've seen this movie before. Come on, let's let's start now. And nobody's going to listen to him because it just sounds preposterous. And then he turns out to be right. You yeah. know, this movie doesn't have one of those characters, but I mean, that's the only way they really kind of get around the trope of, oh, my God, my family member is, you know, not there, not them anymore. Uh, but, you know, it's still hard to, unfortunately, you know, do the deed and put a bullet in his, in my zombie family member. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny because one of the ones that we watched recently, I think you and I watched it, Spence, and, and Pat, you and I are going to be talking about it, is uh, Train to Busan, where, you know, there's yeah. a lot of characters that are react are reacting that way, you know? Mm, yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of disbelief going on. Right. I mean, that, that tends to, you know, sort of, uh, you know, help propel the, the, the plot forward because, you know, it's like, oh, I got bitten, like, a day ago and I didn't tell anybody and now I'm going to bite one of the main characters and screw everything up because I'm a big old jerk. Although now we would know that, you know, if there was a zombie apocalypse and people were talking about the zombies, they'd be like, stay inside, barricade my doors. You're not, you're not going to infringe on my freedoms. I'm still going to restaurants and bars. 
Right. <laughs> oh my God. It, yeah, it would be unreal. They'd be like, so the dead are literally coming back to life and everyone would be like, yeah, I'm sure this is a government hoax. They're just <laughs> trying. They're just that there's just a big funeral trying to get more money. <laughs> You know, but then by the same token, the government would try to be capitalizing on it and do like in Fido and just, you know, figure out how to control the zombies and use them as slave labor. That still requires winning the war against the zombies and having settlements and survivors. (laughs) We we saw the idealist version, but most zombie films like Shaun of the Dead just show us the very beginning where everything goes to hell and, uh, you know, everybody is probably going to die and has to survive. Although... I will say about Shaun of the Dead, I like that at the end, the military shows up and it's not like, you know, a problem. They're actually looking for survivors. They know what they're doing. I mean, they're only fighting shamblers, right? You know, one machine gun could take out a whole horde of them. Right. So I really enjoyed that, that it wasn't a matter of like, oh, no, we're out of the frying pan and into the fire. It was like, no, we finally made it. You know, the people we can trust are are coming to help us, you know, where their priority. Good. <laughs> Yeah. Right, it's not Take like a the 28 days later military. Oh yeah, like we're gonna have to we're gonna have to uh, you know repopulate the planet. So <laughs> you got yourself a couple of women, so we're gonna take your women. Right, like, that's what we're doing. It's like, wait, what? No, that's not how that works. You know, and like six dudes and two women is not gonna help repopulate anything. Like you're you're like two generations away from like you know hardcore inbreeding. Right. <laughs> Hi, this is Rigor, host of Then Is Now Podcast and The East Meets the West. I just wanted to say thank you to all of our Patreon subscribers. We appreciate your support as we grow the audience for our shows. You can find our links to our Patreon page as well as our Tee Public page at havenpodcasts.com. With Patreon, you'll get a lot of exclusive stuff, including our monthly pop culture newsletter, cool gifts, discounts for Tee Public, and our special exclusive show, Then Is Now Filmmakers Series, in which we interview directors, producers, writers, composers, special effects guys, basically anybody who works behind the scenes in film and television, and get their insights into the process of creating films and TV shows. Also at our Tee Public page, you'll find cool merch that you can get or even give to others as gifts. You can find those links at our website, or you can go directly to tpublic.com slash stores slash havenpodcasts and patreon.com slash thenisnowpodcast. Enjoy! Are you a lifelong fan of General Hospital? Are you a new fan who wants to know more about the history of the show? Do you enjoy talking about the show with others? Do you find yourself yelling at the TV? Is your self-care an hour a day in Port Charles? If so, we invite you to join hosts Amanda Kimmel and Shannon Coach at the place where all the hidden conversations take place and secrets are revealed. Meet us at Pier 54, a General Hospital fan podcast. Prepare for a spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Monster Kid Kid Radio. Hear your host, Derek M. Cook and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Monster Kid Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters. 
Modern Talk. And the head of Rondo Hatton. Only on Monster, Monster Kid Radio. Shark Bites, Shark Bites Podcast. It's the greatest show in history. From the Dorkning Network, hosted by a nerd who's named Patsy. From movie reviews to tips on surviving the coronavirus, Shark Bites has it all. Follow us on Facebook and suggest topics at sharkbitespod at gmail.com. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. So one thing I wanted to point out, too, which um, I don't think when we first recorded this, this came up, but there were quite a few famous partnerships that overlapped in this from the main characters to the other gang that they passed. That That's the gang that includes Declan that we mentioned, played by... Um, uh, yeah, Yvonne, uh, Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman. Yeah, Yvonne's group. Yeah, Yvonne's group, that's right. So we've got Simon Pegg and Jessica Hines, who also played Tim and Daisy on Spaced. Then you've got Lucy Davis and Martin Freeman, who played Don and Tim on the British version of The Office, the original version. Uh, Dylan Moran and Tamson Grieg played Bernard and Fran from a show called Black Books. And then you had, finally, Julie Deacon and Nick Frost. They played Mike and Marsha on Spaced also. So I thought that was interesting that these actors getting to work together. You know, you see that a lot, especially when you've got sort of the same production crew and everything, like like a Edgar Wright kind of thing. Well, I can tell you, uh, you know, even in my very limited capacity working in, in film, that you will find the same people working together, you know, in front of and behind the camera because the the film community is a very tight-knit community and things need to be done and they need to be done like a specific way and you know according to the director's vision and if you are someone that can be proven to be reliable and you know hardworking and you know someone that can be leaned on to do you know to wear many different hats you will continue to be added like you look at david o russell's films you know they always have like the same for you know amy adams robert de niro christian bale uh what's his name there bradley cooper like you see those guys over and over and over in his films jeremy renner too and then you look at somebody like uh shit what's his name nolan christopher nolan brings pretty much the same crew along every time scorsese has the same crew right every time um because those guys work well together and you know if you i would guarantee that if you look at like you know the producers the you know, the PAs, the grips, the camera crews, they're going to be the same groups over and over again. Oh, yeah. And that was something I heard recently about, um, if you recall, the TV movie version of Salem's Lot that uh, was from 1979. And uh, Toby Hooper directed that. And what I thought was interesting was that when he walked into the project, he was concerned because he didn't know any of the people that were on it. And he thought it was going to be a little bit more challenging because he was used to doing film. And come to find out, he was pleasantly surprised that these guys were hardcore TV crew, and they had all worked together before, and they worked like an efficient, well-oiled machine. And so it made the production so much smoother than Toby Hooper thought it was going to be. You know, and it, to your point, you know, these people, when you do get the opportunity to work together, I think they start to 
they get to know each other, how each other works, and then it becomes this, you know, well-oiled machine. Yeah, because there's there's so many moving parts behind the scenes, and it's stuff that like I never had thought of, you know, until I started doing it. But there's so many moving parts, and there's so many different things that could go wrong, and you know, at any moment, you know, you could be like, all right, we need you to stand in. You're going to be this actor for right now because we're trying to frame the shot and we don't have the actual actor in because they're still in hair and makeup. So, you know, you're you're in you you be in this shot, you know, craft service guy, you know, like walk from point A to point B, you know, walk slow, do this, you know, pick up that rock. You know, it's 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 really interesting or it's like, oh, you know, somebody's prosthetic got messed up. Uh, they need to go back up to hair and makeup because we can't do it here in the field. Someone, you know, is there a golf cart standing by that we can bring this person back up to, you know, the main building? It, it's it's crazy stuff like that. Right, right. Now there's like a ton ton of references here. We can go through some of them, um, but I did want to start off by um, pointing out the scene where Sean goes into the store and he looks at the newspaper headlines. All those newspapers are real. Um, and it was interesting because, you know, you've got the Daily Star, the Sun, the Daily Mirror, and they all had sort of uh, a somewhat different description of what was going on. Uh, one of them refers to a mystery bug. Another one says new super flu scares public, but then in the upper corner of the paper, radiation alert from down satellite, which we also hear that as a news report on the, um, there's like a bum outside the store, it's on his radio. There's just one headline that says havoc. Uh, another one says mutilated remains. There's, there's one that says mutilated re- remains, and we can s- partially see the word for, F-O-U-R, under it. Then then I thought it got interesting because it said GM crops to blame, and in smaller print above it, it says public health threat from GM crops, so genetically modified. Yes. Um, there's another one that I couldn't read before the word latest, but it basically said there was a breakthrough in a search for vaccine, mystery virus claims more lives, you know, GM crops blamed. Um, so it's sort of like the original Night of the Living Dead, where there's really nobody knows what caused it. You know, the, I think the TV listings took one line of dialogue from that movie and basically said, "Oh yeah, it was um, you know what alien spores from a satellite are causing a virus outbreak or something." But that, and that actually comes up uh, as Sean's walking by the homeless guy. It's on his radio. Yeah. they're talking about that at the beginning. Yeah. So, but still, there's no definitive, and we don't need it. Uh, this kind of film doesn't need, we don't need to know why the zombies are happening. It could be, it could be like, what's his name, Ken Forey says in Dawn of the Dead, uh, when there's no room in hell, the dead will walk the earth again, you know? <laughs> well, there's there's also the, uh, they were flipping through, I think it was when he was flipping through the channels, like talking about, you know, oh, they, you know, someone said that the source of the virus was rage-infected monkeys, but that was disregarded as bullshit. But, yeah. like, they cut off before it said bullshit. It just said bullshit. <laughs> Which, that's a reference to uh, Dead, uh, Dead Alive, right? Peter 28 Jackson. days later. Huh? 28 oh, days later. 28 days later, right. Yeah, because they had the, you know, they, the guy at the beginning, it's like, oh, they're infected. With what? Rage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the rage virus is, is 28 <laughs> days later. Oh, man. But yeah, I mean, you know, you got stuff like the opening bit of music is pulled from the Dawn of the Dead score. Oh, and one thing about, speaking of Dawn of the Dead, George Romero, who, of course, made that film, he was so pleased with Shaun of the Dead that he he asked uh, Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright to appear. Oh, was it Edgar Wright? No, it was Nick Frost. No. Yeah, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost to appear in Land of the Dead as zombies, right? No, 
uh, what actually happened was Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg started a rumor that they were going to be in Land of the Dead. Oh, okay. Without, you know, <laughs> asking uh, Romero. And somebody asked him about, like, oh, is it true that these guys are going to be in your movie? And he's like, uh, yeah, sure. Like, <laughs> whatever. Like, they started the rumor because I believe Land of the Dead came out in 2004 as well. Yeah. I yes, I think so. Yeah. That's that's really funny. <laughs> he invited themselves onto his movie. <laughs> like, you know, we're gonna be in that because of the success of this. And they're like, Wow, really? That's and awesome. It's like, Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, two thousand five. So the yeah. following. I did see Land of the Dead in the movies and uh um, we'll talk more about the Romero films. If you guys are available on um I've sent you a all a zoom link for our Romero roundup. So we'll be doing that. That'll be the final episode of this series. Uh, but yeah, what other references did you want to bring up there, uh, Pat or Spence or anyone? Uh, one that kind of ties into our video game thing. If you look at the uh, trucks, the military trucks that show up at the end, they all say Biohazard, which was the Japanese uh, name for the Resident Evil series. Mm. Oh. Yeah. I That's a, that I thought was a, a nice, subtle one. Um, obviously, they... they Sometimes you will, as a writer, craft an entire character just for a specific joke or reference. So the we're coming to get you, Barbara, yeah, uh, for Sean's mom. Yeah, uh, obviously a nod to 1968's Night of the Living Dead. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Right. And they actually were. Yeah. So like that was kind of funny. But like, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's that. Uh, there's the join us line um, that Sean says, which is a reference to uh, Army of Darkness, Evil Dead, like that whole thing. Yep. Uh, Spencer, you got any you want to throw out? Uh, no, nah, none of the major references come to mind. I I like that there there's this level of um, cultural realism. Uh, like you said, some of the newspapers were real and stuff like that. And then when they're going through the records to throw at the first zombie they meet, it's like actual records and you know actual bands and stuff like that they, they don't just kind of gloss over it with fictional stuff they're like no 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 Th these these people listen to real music right uh so I, I like stuff like that where they're kind of referencing the real life details um bill nighy's car uh, i can't remember what kind of car it was but jaguar. I mean, it's, yeah it's yeah. a jaguar it's, you know it's a real brand and stuff like that so i always love the references like that in movies especially these smaller movies that can kind of get away with it yeah, the record scene was great because yeah. they were going through it like, oh, like because the first one he threw was like, that was an original pressing. Oh, fuck's sake. So <laughs> yeah. they're like they're going through it's like, how about this one? No, this one, no. The Batman soundtrack, throw it. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, or Dire Straits that always makes me think of um the, the British comedian Alexei Sales joke where he goes, The only thing Dire Straits albums are good for is stealing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there's there's uh there's uh the one of my favorites the uh when when they're trying to act like zombies you know who died and made you fucking king of the zombies like and he does his impression of bub from uh day of the dead yeah and nick frost is like yeah that's pretty good <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah there's also the guy who's running through the city like um kevin mccarthy's character in invasion of the body snatchers yes yeah, like uh, the businessman at the beginning. Yeah. 
Yeah. I like, I like, I do like, uh, I think Spencer, you were the one who brought up like all the, like the background stuff that like mm. kind of should let shine, like the guy eating pigeons in the park. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a ton of that stuff. And it's like, you know, there's a couple that's like making out as they enter the bar and then they have the, they have the scene of them in the bar, you know, just drinking, having a good time. And then when they're walking out, you see them walking away in the background. I think the, I think it's the, the male looking figure, his head like comes off. Yeah. yeah. She's eating him. You just feel like, I feel a gross, like squelch. Yeah. And it, it, I love, I love that. Cause that, that to me is just, you know, how you're, it's, it's world building. It's not even like, you know, necessarily right like i don't i don't want to say like writing a it's not like writing a character it's world building and that i think to me is special about how you would be able to set up a, a plot of why you know everything's happening because if we didn't see all that background stuff Shaun of the dead's zombie thing would have a lot less impact and the thing that i like is all the characters that they show in the beginning like like the opening montage you know you get to see mary at the in the uh in the checkout at the grocery mm. store you see all these characters and then you see them later on as zombies right right like that's like the groom from the wedding yep yep the one-armed guy who yep. actually we had one arm oh really oh interesting yeah oh that's funny that, that's a perfect role <laughs> that works and, great. and pat you mentioned that that the restaurant's name was fulci like which was a reference to lucio, lucio fulci you've also got um the the store the electronics store that uh sean works for is called forey Elect Forey Electronics, yeah. which is Ken Forey, is the actor from Dawn of the Dead. And uh, the name tag on the girl in the yard is Landis, named after John Landis, John of Landis. course, American Werewolf yeah. from London and Thriller. Uh, and Animal House. Oh, yeah. There. <laughs> there was one that caught me. It was, and the only reason it caught me is I happened to be watching the Goldbergs recently. It reminded me of it, but where one of them goes, yeah, boy. That's a that's a Flavor Flav yeah. reference. <laughs> yeah, well, they were doing the... Uh... When they, they saw the guy shambling towards them, they yeah. were like singing the song. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm looking for the specific quote because there's a, the way that they, after Liz dumps Sean and they're sitting in the, in the, um, in the pub and he's, you know, he's trying to console Sean and Ed's sitting there and he's like doing all these different things. And he, uh, well, I mean, there was a great, there was a great uh, line where he says, you know, can I just say one more thing? I'm not going to say, you know, there's plenty more fish in the sea. I'm not going to say if you love her, let her go. And I'm not going to bombard you with cliches. What I will say is this, it's not the end of the world. Like there's that, but like right before that, where he's like, he's like, oh, here's what we'll do. Like, let's keep drinking. You know, we'll have a Bloody Mary first thing, a <laughs> bite at the king's head, a couple of the little princess, and then bang stagger back here for shots like he's laying out the plot of the film right yeah mm. that's true yeah that's because amazing this movie is amazing Bloody mary so like the girl mary from the landis supermarkets yeah. is the first one that shows up with that big dude there's a girl in the garden what in the garden there's a girl <laughs> And they had to change one of the lines for the American release. I mean, he's like, oh, look at her. She's so drunk. But, of course, the British word for drunk is pissed, pissed which yeah. means angry here. So they had to uh, do two different edits because it wouldn't have made sense to American audiences who are unfamiliar with the, uh, with the, the slang. 
Huh. That that is really funny to me, but that is also a valuable change because that word does not at all resemble my context of the word pissed. That's funny. so. <laughs> no. she doesn't look pissed. She looks kind of like stoned out of her mind. Yeah, it's funny. She's I guess so I've watched drunk. I've watched enough British comedies in my life that I knew what they would have meant if I'd heard them call her pissed. <laughs> Also, they were hungover. I mean, it was not that unreasonable of an assum- of a of a jump to get to that, but I do understand why they would change that real quick because that is a slang change that wouldn't yeah. make sense to us. And there's just so much to this between the references, and then there's you gotta factor in there's a whole bunch of references to the show Spaced, and I I don't know about you guys, but I've never seen the show. Mm. But you know, I think the average American probably hasn't seen Spaced, so there are even more references that go over our heads you know yeah oh yeah tons and tons uh and i'm sure there's some you know inside stuff you know for some of the other things that they've done as well yeah but space is i I tried getting into it i couldn't really get into it same with the british version of the office uh as much as i love uh, a lot of the actors that are in it i just couldn't get into it yeah, I think in some cases, something like that, it's a cultural thing. If you're not getting the references and the audience is laughing and you're not, it's like after a while, you're like, well, why should I watch this? You know? <laughs> I mean, I think part of it was I had already seen all the same or a lot of the same jokes. Like the opening episode is essentially the same. Like the guy, uh, shit, he's, he plays the, uh, I'm trying to remember his name, but he's in Pirates of the Caribbean. He's a guy with the wooden eye. He's also in... Um, <laughs> the uh that's gotta hurt what the hell is it? game of thrones he's in game of thrones he plays the uh warg Arell, one of the wildlings he's essentially the dwight character and um martin freeman is jim oh okay and he's like oh he put my he put my uh my stapler and my calculator in jello again you know but they didn't say jello they said something else and you know, so it's essentially the first, you know, the first episode, like the pilot episode. And it's like I've already, I've already seen this, right? Like, right. These guys don't exactly have the same, like, flair and charisma and and chemistry that Rain Wilson and John Krasinski have. Oh, and then you have uh, Ricky Gervais coming in as like the Michael Scott character, but like he's not as He's a lot drier than than Steve Carell. Okay. <laughs> he doesn't deliver the lines with quite as much like slapstick and passion. Like, uh, I'm I'm not gonna lie to you. That's why I probably prefer the British Office to the American one. I personally don't find the American one all that funny. So I would much I'm much much more interested in watching the British Office because most of my friends did not even know that that's like where the office came from. Cause they've like all seen it. My girlfriend loves the office and I don't get what's so funny about it. I've tried it. I've sat through episodes of it and it's just not funny to me, but the British humor is in my opinion, perpetually funnier than some of the slapstick stuff that they do in the office that I've seen. That's interesting. Yeah, that's... that's interesting that you guys both have a slightly a different opinion, you know, an opposing opinion on those. That's a riot. Yeah, that's fair. 
And, I've, I've tried my best. And you know what's interesting, I think, for the listeners, not to get too much on a tangent here, and we'll start to wrap things up shortly, but um, there are so many other shows that people do not realize originally came from England. Like uh, Three's Company was originally Man About the House in the UK. Uh, Sanford and Son was called Steptoe and Son. And that's one of those cases, sort of like what you mentioned, Pat, where the first... I'm going to say five to ten episodes are the exact scripts from the British versions, just obviously tweaked for American slang. And if you go, and, I think you can watch them on YouTube. The original Steptoe and Sons are on there, and they're almost identical to Sanford and Son. Um, and so this so, doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it's hilarious. I think even, uh, I don't know the name of it, but I'm pretty sure All in the Family is based on a British series as well. And uh, which you would think, oh, it's so original and so American, but yet it, it is because it was adapted, but it was originally, you know, a show from England. Makes sense. I get it. So I'm just want to see if my look at my notes here. If there's anything, I mean, you know, what's his name? Who was the dude that was? Uh, okay, not Sean's girlfriend, but her, her girlfriend's friend's boyfriend. David. David. He was such a friggin' douche, or or in the terms of the movie, he was a twat because he actually points the rifle at Sean and pulls the trigger, but it was empty. He would have killed him. <laughs> yeah, and then he just like goes outside and like gets killed. Oh, and there's another reference when he gets ripped apart. It's like Rhodes at the end of Day of the Dead. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And then uh, yeah, he grabs his leg and like goes to fight for him. <laughs> yeah, I, and first that that moment, I mean, is kind of like I, there's a you can have a lot of opinions on it, but personally, I see that moment as like finally when his character gets to step up to the plate and do something, he does the wrong thing, and we all kind of could have predicted it. But almost every character got a moment to shine and you know help the help the the group get to the Winchester. You know, um, like uh, what's her face, the actress there. She helps get through the, get them through the entire um, freaking horde, horde of zombies right. because she's giving them acting lessons on being a zombie, uh, you know. And Nick Frost, uh, you know, finally gets to show up with uh, his uh, well, not skills but knowledge of the rifle, the Winchester rifle when they got to use it. Um, Sean's obviously doing his best the entire time, but it's just really funny that every character eventually steps up, and when David steps up, it, we're all just like, "Yep, we saw this coming. Get out, <laughs> go, go, just leave, please." Nuts. And the thing, along with the references too, there's so much foreshadowing in this. I think some of it's been mentioned, but like when when Pete he has to go to work on Sunday because everyone's calling out, obviously because there's a zombie virus going on. Uh, he looks at Ed and he goes, "Go live in the shed, you thick fuck." And that's foreshadowing right there, you know? Yeah, the very end of the movie when Ed is a zombie and he's in the, in the shed <laughs> playing video games. Player two has entered the game. Yeah. You have work. Player two has left the game. <laughs> so. uh, another kid uh, that you've seen a, uh, in a bunch of stuff, uh, Rafe Spall, who was uh, the the kid at, uh, at Faree's that worked under uh under sean it was like you've got red on you like the first the first one. Oh yeah 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 he was in uh he was one of the andes in uh hot fuzz oh okay and he's like i'm not here to upset the apple cart he's like oh yeah because we all sell apples around here don't we it's because <laughs> your dad sells apples and raspberries <laughs> <laughs> and he was in um the ritual which if you have not seen is 
phenomenal. Ooh, I have to check that out. He's a really, really good actor. His one of his relatives, Timothy, was a uh, Wormtail from uh, Harry the Harry Potter films, and he was also in uh, Sweeney Todd. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. That's cool. And what was up with the the patch of hair missing on Nick Frost's head? Was that part of the movie, or I think that was just like a weird thing, like just to. I'm sure that's a reference to something. Or like, you know, maybe he lost a bed or something, you know, who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like shaved part of his head. I remember when you pointed that out and I'm like, wow, I've never seen that before and I couldn't unsee it. Right. It was, it was really, really bad. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Nick Frost wasn't the first choice to play Simon Pegg's co-star, but I believe that they were friends in real life and Simon Pegg needed that chemistry for this movie to work. And so he kind of gave uh, Nick Frost like his real big break. He had done things before, um, but I think I'm reasonably certain that that the, that I'm I'm telling a part truth. <laughs> I know that the part in Hot Fuzz that he played was written for a woman. Yeah, because like that scene where you know they're sitting in this apartment watching the movies, and he's like, "I don't know how to turn it off," and you know, he leans in and is like. I can show you like there's a lot of like sexual tension there because it was supposed to be played by a woman and like, oh, okay, <laughs> you know, instead of like opening up the, the, the case with all the movies in it, uh, it was, you know, there was supposed to be like a love scene. Right. But, right. But they make it seem like that's where it's going. Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, like, I they, mean... kept, they, they changed the actor from, you know, female to male but kept the dialogue right. and like the, the, the action exactly the same. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, let's wrap things up here. So uh, Pat, final thoughts on Shaun of the Dead. Well, um, my final thoughts are, you know, this, this uh, movie will always have a place near and dear to me because uh, when I was first, you know, kind of talking to and, and getting to know uh, my eventual wife, uh, I had mentioned this movie and we're like, oh, we should hang out and watch this movie. And we hung out, but the movie didn't get watched all that much. We had to try like three times to get through it. Not because we didn't enjoy it, but uh, because we kept getting interrupted. So that was pretty good. We talked about this uh, off air last time, uh, which led to me calling Spencer uh, uh, an absolute nerd. <laughs> if I'm going to watch a movie, I'm going to watch a movie. I will not let any girl distract me. <laughs> yeah, see... And that's where we differ. And I was, uh, we were distracted multiple times, but we did end up watching it. And uh, you will, you will see this on a, uh, an upcoming episode of uh, uh, Throwdown Thursday, because Shaun of the Dead is very important to us. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's one of those, like, some people will put on, like, you know, it's like, oh, I lit some candles and put on some romantic music and, you know, dimmed the lights. And it's like, oh, hey. You want to watch Shaun of the Dead? Like, that's how it is in our house. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I highly recommend this if you enjoy zombie films. Um, because there is a, you know, like you said, there's, there's, it's a zombie film, yes, but it's also a romantic comedy and an action film and a buddy, you know, a, not a buddy cop, but like a buddy film. And, right. you know, it's a romantic comedy at the same time. Like, there's a lot going on. Like, there's... Uh, some great character development and 
you know, I highly recommend people watch this if they enjoy any of those genres. Yeah, there's a little, uh, there's a significant amount of like gore and, and, and guts and stuff, but, you know, if you can get past that, we should be fine. <laughs> Spence? Uh, yeah, I'd give this a 10 out of 11. So I really enjoy everything about this movie from the structure to the writing to the characters to the world building and to just the plot in general and all the all these subtle references that I mean, you could pick apart for six straight hours and still not have covered everything. So I think that this is an excellent zombie movie. Uh, it doesn't, you know, fail to deliver any of the enjoyment of killing zombies and you know people you know suffering from a zombie apocalypse at some points but it's mostly just this really really nice story of this guy trying to reconnect with his girlfriend and save his family and two other people and uh you know i really like it i would absolutely recommend it to anybody who wants a, a decent horror movie or decent zombie movie and it's very very funny uh so i mean i know that people my age weren't around when it came out where at the very least we were like three so, you know, we really should go out and see this one because this movie is a great, great, um, you know, homage and reference to all the other great zombie films. I mean, it's called Shaun of the Dead as opposed to Dawn of the Dead. And, right. you know, some, some people wouldn't get that. My, some people of my age wouldn't even get that, even if they've seen Shaun of the Dead. So I really think this is a must watch if you're going to be at all interested in the horror or zombie genre. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with both both what you guys said. Um, and one thing I really like about this movie, I mean, aside from obviously the subtlety, the foreshadowing, uh, the references, the cinematography and the acting, which was amazing, it, it does stay within the Romero rules as set forth, meaning they're slow shamblers, a bite will turn you into a zombie, and they can only be killed by headshots. And I, uh, beyond that, it, it becomes its own thing. Like you said, Patton, you know, you said Spence with the world building is it's, it's generated a life of its own. And there's so much more that you can keep going back to. And, you know, the relationships between the characters, it's very real and very relatable in this crazy scenario of zombies coming back from the dead. So um, I agree. I recommend it highly. And I think people should check it out and, you know, show it to the younger crowd. In fact, uh, he didn't watch the whole thing, but my... Uh, my four-year-old grandson watched it with me on one of the viewings, and he basically, he said, oh, they need to disguise themselves as zombies so they can sneak around among them. And sure enough, like, I, I think five minutes later, they did exactly that in the movie. <laughs> so Yeah, very perceptive kid. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, awesome. Thanks for joining me, guys. Oh, yeah, anytime. Thanks for having me. Okay, folks, thanks for joining us today for our special 2021 13 Days of Hallowtober series where we focus on modern zombie films. You can send your feedback to thenisnow42 at gmail.com. You can also join in the conversation at our Facebook Then Is Now podcast group. And you can find me on throwdownthursdaypodcast.com, writing news and articles and, and whatnot on all variety of subjects. You can also find me on the Throwdown Thursday uh, Facebook group, as well as the Loudest Sports Show Facebook group where, you know, not only do we talk about sports and whatnot, and uh, we'll be bringing that show back right in time for hockey season, but we also raffle off uh, autographed memorabilia as well, so check that out. 
the That Is Now podcast is a proud member of the Dorkening Podcast Network, so be sure to check out the other great shows there at thedorkening.com. You can also visit our website at havenpodcast.com, where you'll find our sister show, The East Meets the West, in which we discuss Shaw Brothers films and spaghetti western movies. You'll also find links to our Tee Public and Patreon page, where you can get access to exclusive content. That's right. That's right. And that is now is also on YouTube. So please visit youtube.com slash user slash uncle death one to get the latest videos of our podcast as well as other fun videos. And uh, if you could please subscribe to our YouTube page and hit that little bell, that'll give you notifications when we put new videos out and also share our videos with your friends and get them to subscribe as well. And don't forget to go wherever you download your podcast from and leave us a great review so that more listeners can find us. You could find us on all the podcasting apps, especially the big three, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Class dismissed. Now podcast is intended for entertainment, educational, and informational purposes only. Sounds, music, and clips played during this podcast are the property of their copyright holders. All original content is copyright Jupiter Media. shows like the one you just heard check out the dorkening podcast network at the dorkening.com